For the creatively adventurous and the relentlessly curious, this is the Creativity Cafe. A podcast that answers your questions about creativity, inspires new ideas, and makes you feel right at home. I'm Paige Baldwinando, and I'm a writer and creativity coach who helps people move past their blocks and maximize their creative potential. And I'm Jordana Matsuda. I'm an illustrator, and I'm on my creative journey with Paige helping me along the way. So grab a cup of tea and join us in discovering new creative landscapes here on the Creativity Cafe. Hello, Jordana. Hi, Paige. I'm doing pretty well, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So today I'm interested in asking you about intuition. And I'm curious if you, because this is something I've experienced, um, if you've noticed your relationship with your intuition changing as you have matured. Um, yes, definitely. I think especially since I turned 40, I think, um, I have felt different in my body, mm-hmm. but I didn't know why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I guess at 40, you know, we go through many thoughts and feelings. Um, but I felt like there was a slight, like, my centre had kind of shifted a little bit. Right. And I was like searching out ways to find out like what was going on. Um, am I just feeling the pressure of oh I'm getting older? <laughs> or was <laughs> there something deep just the you know <laughs> the aging process? Um and yeah, to be honest, that when I turned 40 that was when I started to become a bit more spiritual and thinking about my life in a different way and that's when a mutual friend connected me with today's guest um, Sarah Basher Um, she's an astrologer and I think before I was introduced to her I'd already kind of started to become interested in astrology um, so it felt like the next step to get a reading with somebody and it was a really transformational reading for me um, not just in terms of what I found out about my astrology and what have you but the way that the conversation went with Sarah <clears throat> the guidance that she gave me was basically two things like slow down and listen to your heart mm. which in itself sounds quite simple doesn't it <laughs> um, <laughs> well sometimes the most profound things are those things that feel simple and yet <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. yeah exactly exactly and um that really like hit me I said like, oh and I was like when you I said like, when you say listen because I didn't and I can understand slowing down but listen to my heart like I didn't mm-hmm. really I could understand that on a rational level in a way, but I was like, what do you mean by that? Like, like, well, like I didn't really understand. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, you know, when you're, you're doing something and a thought comes into your brain or you just have an instinct, you know, you have a feeling about something, like follow that, listen mm-hmm. to that, pay attention to that. Um, because, you know, the hustle and bustle of everyday life can get, overwhelming and we forget to listen to those um those base messages our body our spirits kind of giving us mm-hmm. and and yeah so I could I I heard that and I was like okay like I that's something I can do and that's something that feels right for me and yeah so I, I carried on with my life <laughs> I don't know how like uh point I kind of started to pay more attention but um yeah one day I was walking back to the station and I had my schedule it's like okay I need to do this 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 and this and this um it's a Saturday and you know the weekends you know I want to kind of get my stuff done I'm away from the family and um as I was walking past my favorite shrine near where I live I just like had this feeling oh I should just go have a, a go inside and have a look 
Mm. And I was like, no, no, I have to go. I have to be at this place at a certain time. So keep going. And I was like, just remembered Sarah's words. Like, slow yeah. down and listen to your heart. And that kind of, even just saying those words to myself, like, release tension from my body. Like, that hustle and bustle tension. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and I went into the shrine and had... And it's a really beautiful shrine because it's really seasonal. So in the springtime, there's beautiful cherry blossoms. In the autumn, there's all the bright yellow ginkgo trees. And there's just so many different trees and the nature in there is just beautiful. And as I was walking around, I just felt like I understood the shift that was happening in me. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how to explain that shift, but just that feeling of a different connection to something. Yes. And just walking around by myself, the way the sun was shining and the beauty of all the nature around there and the calm, calmness of the shrine just made me feel like a deeper connection to my creativity mm-hmm. and kind of inspired me to want to create more I want to create things that have a connection to other people yeah um and I really felt like that moment was a transition for me from being a hustle bustle get my work done and be on time and you know be an efficient person um kind of shifted to slowing down and listening to my intuition Mm -hmm. because I realized that's what it is you know following that feeling in in my body um and that little voice that I hear um and now that I am paying attention to it I recognize when I don't and the consequences of not listening yeah. to it yeah um which you know is another interesting um element to connecting with my intuition in that way absolutely yeah, yeah. because as we listen the more we listen First of all, the more often we get kind of intuitive hits <laughs> mm. and the more we notice how often they are accurate. Yes, for which sure. Is astoundingly often. And I would even say if something is inaccurate, you know, it probably wasn't your intuition to begin with. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like intuition is very, very often when it's true intuition um right on and guiding us in the direction or in a direction that is right for us in that moment it doesn't have to be you know only that one thing but it's a a kind of nudge in a direction that might be interesting might be helpful Mm. to us creatively or otherwise for sure hey yeah yeah because I think that's one of the things I I struggled with the difference between my intuition and like my self-doubt yeah and like you just said like intuition leads you to a greater understanding where doubt just kind of stops me Mm -hmm. so that that's been a really interesting journey the last couple of years for sure Yeah. yeah yeah and I think that distinction is really important because it's so often the case that you know we do have trouble noticing well is this a real intuitive feeling or is this you know something that's not that Mm. not intuition and and is more self-doubt and I think what you just said can be a really helpful way of um of figuring out (laughs) whether it's one or the other because if it feels expansive and open and broadening or deepening it's it may be intuition and if it feels like it's stopping you if it feels like it's closing you down shutting you down hmm, that might be self-doubt mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> how about you Paige like how how have you connected to yours or you know what's your feelings about your intuition <laughs> yeah yeah I think I've always had a really um, close relationship with my intuition but I will say that during times of of more busyness or more um you know, chaos in my life. For example, like when I had small children, (laughs) like when my children were very young, um, 
it was harder for me to connect to that because I was focused on getting things done or keeping my children safe or whatever it was. Um, it was harder for me to listen to those nudges because I was doing other things. You know, I didn't have the opportunity as often necessarily, or maybe I wasn't listening as deeply either. Um, but as I have, um, you know, what, what happens as a consequence of that very often, at least for me, is that uh, I don't feel very good. Mm. <laughs> my life doesn't feel as good when I'm not listening to my intuition. And so um, it will often, for me, what I've noticed is come to a place where my intuition is, is nudging again and again and again and again. And once yeah. I listen, um, my life starts to improve drastically. And so as I've gotten older, I've realized more and more that it just needs to be a priority to listen to it. Mm. Um, my life is better and the lives of the people who live with me and <laughs> work with me are better when I am able to listen to that. So I have come to a place of having a much more conscious, um, intentional relationship with my intuition uh, at this point in my life too. As you say, I think reaching 40 um, there's something that happens, you know, and I think for many of us, at least there's something that happens where there is an, a turning inward and uh, an introspection about our lives. You know, is my life going the way I want it to go? Am I doing the things I want to do? I think it's Brene Brown who says, she says, I'm going to mess up the exact quote, but she says something like at midlife, you know, your life grabs you by the shoulders and shakes you you know, mm. asking, like telling you, you know, like, you don't have all the time in the world. Yeah. You know, and um, that's true. And I think that, yeah, in my experience anyway, intuition has been the greatest companion, especially creatively. Creatively, it leads you into um, so many places that you wouldn't have thought to go if your logical mm. mind was leading. Yes. That's so and, true, isn't it? Yeah, it's so deep and it's so powerful and it's so rich, like what it brings to you. And so creatively, I have always really worked intuitively. Um, and that has been something that has been, uh, I would say, kind of a lifesaver mm. for me just to say yes to what wants to happen creatively and to go along for the ride <laughs> yeah yeah you know yeah do you ever feel um like a bit overwhelmed or nervous of your intuition like this is I'm kind of a, I don't know sometimes I feel like I ignore my intuition because I'm kind of I don't feel ready for it sometimes mm. that, do you ever have that feeling or have you ever or is that's you know I don't know. Yeah, I would say when I'm nervous of something, it's probably not of my intuition, but mm. more of like, um, like when I'm nervous, it's generally because it's an idea of what I think I should do. Yeah. I wonder how that lands for you. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> like as I'm talking to you, I'm, like, I'm, I'm realizing I'm doing my overthinking thing again. <laughs> which yeah. always kills my intuition and I think that's like my back and forth with my journey mm -hmm. is the moment that I have where I yeah. just need to just calm down like the tension for me like my physical tension and overthinking just like releases when I do remember that what my heart is saying and to yes. slow down like there's always that sh like back and forth between those two elements for me I'm still mm -hmm. kind of finding my sweet spot <laughs> yes well it's, yeah, yeah. how very human of you yes <laughs> <laughs> it's such a very human thing yeah, <laughs> to <yeah>. experience <laughs> well and I think today's guest um Sarah Basha is such a great example of, of how to lead with intuition and how to create through this amazing, beautiful force. 
that is within all of us. It is not just for some of us. It's every single person has it in them as a, a guide and we can access it anytime we want. And the more we do, the stronger it gets and the more loving the relationship gets between us and our intuition. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. I think everyone will come away from today's conversation thinking, you know, about their intuition and how they can work with it moving forward. Don't you think? Absolutely. Mm. Yes. So let's hear from Sarah. From her home in Ericeira, Portugal, Sarah Basha weaves together a variety of creative pursuits. Sarah's traveling exhibition and art book, What Remains, explores memory and loss and serves to raise awareness for dementia. Her recently launched podcast, which is called Woven, Stories of Feminine Becoming, is a series of interviews featuring women of varied backgrounds and their stories of transformation. It is, in Sarah's words, an ode to the divine feminine, its cycles and gifts. And all her work is built on a foundation of her deep relationship with astrology, which is its own creative calling. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you for having me, Paige and Joe. Thank you Hi. for being here. Thank you for being here. We're excited to um, get to talk with you today. We've got lots of great questions for you. <laughs> um, so we have a question we ask all our guests, and that is, what is your first memory of doing something creative? So the first thing that comes to mind is a book that I wrote in first grade. Hmm. Um, it was called Baby Bump. We have this book. And so it was the teacher must have typed out these little sentences below these illustrations that I had made and then bound the book together. So that is like the first creation that I can remember, although my childhood was really infused with art. My mom um, was an, is an educator, was an educator. And so she followed this method of the Suzuki method. I don't know if you know of it. And so it's like where you invite kids to um, experience one piece of classical music or one piece of classical art and then return to that single piece, right? So it's a way to open your mind to all art and all creativity. And so we were raised with Vivaldi's uh, Spring and um, the art piece that I used to go to the museum was um, Burgle's Descent from like Hell, <laughs> which was, was, a, was a really frightening piece. But I just remember my childhood being very artistic and creative, but that was the first piece. That book was the first thing that I remember making kind of like formally, you know, and then I, um, yeah, and I proudly still have it. I love that. That's actually my first thing that I made too was a book. <laughs> okay. And do you still have it? I know it was a gift for my neighbors and I gave it to my okay. neighbors, but I remember making it. Do you remember making your book? I do. I remember like it being single pieces of paper. I don't like, I think the teacher must have collected them and then, you know, put them together. I don't remember the typing bit because I think that wasn't something I made, you know, like it was mm -hmm. the teacher made it. But I do remember the drawing and the thinking through and the having the book. Um, there was actually two, three books, but that was the first one I made, uh, which I think is so awesome because I don't know if kids still make books, you know, like, mm -hmm. like that. But it's just, uh, yeah, it looks, uh, it looks like a real book. Yeah. Do you remember how it felt to make it? Um, I don't, but I think that like, I think if I try to retrieve that memory, it feels very serious to me, like really mm -hmm. making it with the intent, you know, to share it and be proud of what I was making, um, which probably resonates with the way I work. Like I'm very uh, attentive to the details and I, I want to be proud of what I create, you know, so um, yeah, I don't, I don't really for certain remember, I just remember the process of drawing, you know, the, the, um, the, yeah, the, the illustration itself. And I don't even know if it's from me having read the book or from me having made the book, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. the memories are so far, we don't remember. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So will you, t will you tell us a little more about how your creative 
practice that you have now has developed into what it is today? Yeah, that's a really interesting question because um, I'm a self-taught artist. And so my practice today as it formed was very organic. And I was supposed to go to art school, but decided not to go to art school. So I really essentially didn't touch anything artistic uh, after I finished the IB in art and design. And then it was 2015 when my, and I went to check these dates just to also be certain of them, but it was in 2015 when my dad passed away and I was pregnant that I felt deep um, desire to create. And I didn't know what that meant really. So I started with the 100 day challenge, if you know of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember the name of the artist that's behind it, but it's basically 100 days of you exploring a creative practice. And interestingly, it was already, uh, it was really the premise of what would become what remains where I asked people for 100 days and took pictures of them, a memory. Um, so that was like the first step. And then I explore this idea of wanting to reconnect to that creative fire more and created the conditions to take a sabbatical for six months and create what was uh, would become what remains um, and then it just it became a show which was never my intent and never thought anyone would be interested in seeing the work and then and that was like by then it was 2018 um, and in that process of actually having the work shown not made just for myself I really kind of claimed my voice as an artist and so my practice has evolved in the same way kind of as all this work did which was very much guided by my intuition and by my desire Um, and with no kind of formal plan it's never the medium like the mediums that come to me are always the mediums that fit the story I'm trying to tell. My process is very, very long as well because I I spend a lot of time thinking because I don't have the technical skills. So then I have to try to find the way that actually can translate my vision into form. Um, So I read, I think, I might sketch. uh, And then there, and so there might be moments when I'm also as a mother, like not doing anything and it might not look like anything. And then suddenly there's like a burst of like production or creation um but yeah so it really evolved organically from this seed this desire many many years ago uh and then kind of this i don't know if the word in english is concretization you know like form Mm -hmm. with the show and then it just yeah it just became i don't know if that answers the question but um (laughs) i hope it does it does it's beautiful It's a beautiful process. And it sounds like what you're describing sounds like gestation in many ways. You know, you're going through this very feminine process of just allowing, allowing for what's happening and letting it be as it is and waiting for it to. Yeah, I, uh, I, I do. I have to say, I, I don't have the pressure that I think many people who come from art school have in that I really allow like it because there was all these years of not creating, um, but yet like fiddling around and doing like this thing and that thing, but like on the side and almost secretly, uh, but always this idea, because then if I think in retrospect, these ideas, like I have, I still have like pieces of work that I have not created that I have had in my mind and in my heart for years. And then there's a moment when I'm ready to create them or circumstances I meet someone or I I find the material or I touch it and then I'm like okay this is now I'm ready to make this thing um so I think yeah I'm very slow and and then um and actually I did some mentoring in it must have been in 2017 actually so before the show um to kind of allow myself to affirm myself as an artist because I didn't think I was valid enough because I hadn't been to art school, I hadn't, I didn't have a show, you know, like how do you define yourself as a creative? And uh, in that process, I created a piece, which I love, I still love, it's one of my favorite series, where I mapped out how I got myself creatively stuck, like what actually 
you know, blocked me from creating these many, many years. And I used symbolic, you know, symbols. And then I created a map in a circle and I weaved that. And I, in fact, I have this weave right next to my altar always. It's always in my like space, creative space. And then I had this map. And by then my son was about two, I think. I printed it or I would draw it and then just black on white paper and he would color it in. And so we would color these, these maps together and made a whole series. And, and in fact, it was really interesting because he eventually didn't even, like he would, you know, literally never color in the lines and then he would color in the lines. And then he asked me to make just the circle, nothing, no more symbols in the middle, you know? So it was, it was interesting to see what a creative process is also with a young, like a child, because they're filtered and they don't have creative block. It doesn't exist, you know? So, <laughs> so um, yeah, like that's something I'm very well aware of the, of like my blocks and I, I don't, um, yeah, I find them creative now. <laughs> mm -hmm. They inspire me to mm -hmm. not, you know, to feel comfortable with the moments of gestation, of doing nothing, of thinking, of, of doubting, you know, it's all part of kind of my practice. Yeah. Yeah. And that acceptance of it and that like, you know, being willing to surrender to it and, and just be with it as it is, is mm -hmm. very often what leads to increased creative flow when it does open up again, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, um, you don't really, I mean, I don't know how other people create, but I don't, um, it's like always present. So it's not always in like in the making, but it's always there. It's just mm -hmm. part of me. Yes. It's part of life. I think everyone is creative. I think, every, you know, it's just we conditioned to think that it looks a certain way or that it's in a certain medium. Like many artists will tell you that, you know, this is what I, I work in this medium. And that always kind of amuses me because I'm like, mm -hmm. hmm, aren't you blocking yourself off from maybe, you know, um, I don't know, something else. Totally what you need you know, or your story needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think it's so, it's, you sound so connected to your creativity. And yeah. I think, like, for me, it's been such a journey to get to gradually get to that point. Um, did, it sounds like for you, it was quite an easy, well, not only an easy, uh, natural process. It's just, yeah, so that's really lovely. <laughs> it actually so many wasn't people. easy oh, at really? all. Okay. Yeah. Well, tell me it a bit more not. about that then. Tell me a bit more because yeah. that's I'm really interested in like how yeah. people got to where they are. So, what what bits did you? I think the fact with? that I I didn't actually allow myself to go to art school. I mean, not that I regret it at all because I think it's given me freedom. Mm -hmm. But it's true that like I think often like oh, it would be so easier even like you, you know, the teachers that you meet, the community that you have, like all these things are also part of, you know, going to art school. That's how people go to art school. Um, but not having been and then not having created for, you know, 10, 20 years was really kind of scary to, to own that creative voice. And even more so to say, actually, it's, I have something to create and to share, not just as a hobby on the side, you know. Um, it, I take my work very seriously, much like the little, you know, girl that I was. It's I don't, I don't put out anything that I'm not a hundred percent proud of. It doesn't mean that it has to be good. I don't have like, <laughs> you know, but that I am proud of, that I feel like I've really put myself into it, or that it has some kind of uh, value, you know. But it was very hard because I just didn't, um, I just didn't have the confidence to do it. But it was a point where I was like, I need to do this. Like it was really a yearning, a soul yearning. And I was like, this is what I need to do. And I have to figure out how to create the space, like in terms of time, in terms of like resources for me to explore this thing that was so 
almost foreign, like learning a, a you know, new language, but you don't have anyone who can teach you that language. And so, and also like just socially, like telling people, you know, I was working in an office, <laughs> you know, <laughs> working in an office with like a nine to five job. And it was like, well, not really nine to five, but, you know, in a creative job, very uh, well paid and recognized. And, you know, so it was like all this stuff that like seemed like you made it. And I was kind of like challenging that to go and, you know, want to be a, in quote an artist. And so it was hard for me to explain that because I couldn't explain it to myself really why I was yearning for this. Uh, and so I think that was why it was great to work with a mentor. I really think, you know, working with therapists, mentors, coaches, there's a reason why <laughs> it's really great idea. because you can't process the feelings and even the like practical, practical aspects of it mm. always on your own. Uh, but once I liberated kind of that thinking for myself, and I think the show also was so validating because people like really were moved and touched. And I thought, not only is this work beautiful, but it actually serves a purpose. And, um, and artists and curators want to see it and want it to travel. And so like, I've kind of like graduated, you know, I can get over myself and not overthink it and not be harsh on myself. Um, but the process took many years too. So, I mean, that was a lot of <laughs> self-work uh, as well. But I, yeah, I'm over it now. I don't. So now I think, yes, I perhaps sound like I'm in my flow, but I'm also 42. So I think it's about a stage in one's life where I just feel more comfortable in my own mm. skin, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a process, hey, it's a, it's a whole process, yeah. <laughs> it really is, yeah. And the way you describe it, um, I think, is familiar to many people. It's certainly familiar to me, but the description of, like, just the, the need that comes with it, even mm -hmm. though, you know, you may be encased in a life that seems like, you know, this is what I wanted, this is what I should want, all of that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. The yearning the longing the need <laughs> that comes mm -hmm. is something so deep and it's just not something it's even possible to turn away from mm -hmm. at the core level we it's just a requirement at a certain point yeah i think having the confidence to understand that feeling and move forward with it is it's a huge thing because <laughs> I think a lot of people don't do it, do they? Mm -hmm. They just kind of put it to one side and carry on with their life. And um, yeah, so oh, I'm so glad you made all that work, Sarah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, Sarah, can you tell us a bit more about um, projects that you're currently working on that you're excited about? So I, because I have a process that's really kind of slow and organic and um, I I'm always kind of working on multiple things and they're generally in different kind of phases. Uh, also, you know, the last two years have been really influenced by the pandemic. So like what, how, and what we created um, was kind of different. There was a timeline that was, you know, affected by that things were postponed and stuff like that um also i i love to collaborate uh, at least in this kind of stage and so i have i'm also reliant on other people's uh you know life i love to work with mothers i think mother artists are really you know not visible enough so if i can bring in you know women and mother artists in particular i, I always like to do that so I have a few projects that I'm that I can share because there's some that I'm super excited about, but I'm not allowed to <laughs> share quite yet. So in a few weeks there'll be more too. Um, but one, the, um, of course, the podcast that you mentioned—that's something that's really that I'm doing on my own. I think I see it as a creative, uh, a creative practice and project as well. Um, but in terms of things that are more artistic, there is, uh, I did a residency over the pandemic. It actually started in February, 2020. It's a collaborative uh, residency called the Ter Artist Territory Exchange. And so we're paired with 
an art, another artist. And so I was paired with Jessica Longmore, who's also a professor at Manchester University. And we explored the notion of identity and home. And so over the course of these two years, we created with materials found, with our own intimate space of like lockdown, the home, and also um, this kind of constant conversation between she and I around color and form and how that informs uh, identity because there is this whole idea, you know, she is Afro in the UK, feels very much English or certainly from Manchester, but uh, doesn't associate so much to the English identity. I was Albanian, but born and raised in Belgium and now in Portugal. So there's like this whole notion of like, how do you, how does one, you know, uh, define who, who you are? And how does that relate also to like the colors and the shapes and, and space? Um, and so we're finally now at a stage where we are actually sharing that work. So it's in the, in the kind of the process of becoming an exhibition. So that will be for 2023. Uh, and I'm excited that, about that because it just also, I think because the nature of the work being so intimate, it's nice to, instead of doing these kind of alternative ways of showing art that is often like online or in niche groups, it's nice to actually bring it into public and more formal uh, gallery spaces to bring that kind of discourse and that voice. So that's happening. And then I have another collaboration with Milou Afanan, which is something I'm very excited about, which is a story I, I wrote or told for my son when he was a baby. Every night I used to put him to bed with a story. He had the hiccups. And so I used to tell him the story of a monkey that had the hiccups. And, um, and so I wrote the story and decided that this was um a year ago so you see things take time and i'm okay with that a year ago so i wanted it to be done for last year so like for this year uh we started working on the book and i didn't feel that i could illustrate so i reached out to illustrators and met nilu and i uh, we really really connected uh but at the stage of actually drawing the animals she was like i don't feel comfortable Trying. And I said, well, if you want, I can try. And so she's like, I was going to ask you. So we've been drawing collaboratively, creating the illustrations, but also including my son who had a passion for illustration uh, this past summer. So he's also um, making that. And so that should be, uh, I don't know if it's going to be self-published or published. I'm very confident that it will be published because I think the book is beautiful, something very original. Um, and so that's also in the making to be shared for 2023. And then finally, what remains is traveling this coming year. The part that I can share already is that I'll be making a public, uh, in public space installation for which I, I uh, got a grant um, just last month or two months ago, which I'm really also honored about because I think that too is a validation of the work. And so that is portraits of people from Portugal that add on to the, to the show as it already exists, pasted in public space. So like in shop windows or libraries, that kind of thing. And then with a QR code, people can go and find out the story of that person working on the idea rather of the longing, because I don't know if you know a little bit about Portuguese culture, but they have the whole notion of the fado, which is the yearning of the motherland. Mm -hmm. um, because they were explorers and they would leave their fishermen where I live as well. And so it's a, this idea of like, what do we yearn for? What is the thing that we, we hold on to, like much like the memories that What Remains speaks of. And so, um, yeah, I'm excited. That was going to be around, around Port, uh, Lisbon um, in the spring of 2023. <laughs> wow. Those all sound very nourishing, like very nourishing projects to be working on for like your spirit and mm -hmm. who you are. Yeah, yeah I, I love the things that I work on and I love the people that they also connect me with. Mm -hmm. um, even, you know, very personally, I mean, most of the people that I work with become friends because none of my work is not deeply intimate and personal. Um, whether it was with Jess 
or Nilu, I mean, this is the story I wrote for my son, you know, what yeah. remains is about the people that I love the most, um, including the people who come to see the work. And with Jess, it's about, you know, the intimacy uh, of motherhood and these intimate spaces that we don't really share. So, and also about immigration and, um, you know, yeah, privilege and not privilege. So, yeah. yeah, I'm very proud of it. And those questions of identity are so, they hit so deeply, don't they? They're mm-hmm. just, yeah, those moments of um, questioning or, or exploring, who am I really? What are, mm-hmm. what are these different pieces? I think no matter who we are, there is some of that that we're exploring at any given time. Mm-hmm. But yes, for those of us who are immigrants or who have a multi-layered background, it's there is that additional element too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm curious, how does your relationship with astrology inform and inspire your creativity? <laughs> it's um, a big question. <laughs> yeah. Well, astrology, much like creativity, is just, you know, um, it's energy. So mm-hmm. astrology, like it's a kind of a multi-layered answer that I'm going to give you. But for me, uh, astrology is a tool to be um, more aligned and more self-aware. So I use it as a tool. And so it connects to my creativity because as I connect to the moon, I connect to my intuition. And every day I actually plan um, my weeks according to what's happening in the sky to also kind of honor phases that are more creative and phases of more, you know, that gestation or more of research. Or, so I, I actually literally plan um, my work according to the astrology. Um, and that's how actually I, all of the, you know, I've experienced, I use in my mentoring. So it's like, you know, I, I mentor from experience. Um, but also astrology is, um, this, this energy of creativity, of, of life. And so even in like knowing my own chart, I have a North node, so I'm gonna get it kind of astro geeky, but I have a North node, so that's like your soul path in a way, is in Leo, which is extremely creative. And I have it in the, the fourth, fifth house. So houses of self-expression and also of motherhood. So when I understood that, about myself it allowed me to it kind of like confirmed and validated my uh, or gave me an excuse to just play and just create for fun and you know make babies and all that be creativity so in the same way as I see the mundane as um, an opportunity for sacred ritual I see creativity as an opportunity to create to connect rather to this um, some call divine, but to this life cosmic force. And, uh, and I'm just so passionate <laughs> about mm-hmm. astrology. Like I really literally look at everything through the lens of this cosmic language. So which, like, which did you start first? Was it did the astrology or your, the creative project back in 2015? Like how, you know, what was the overlap yeah. of those two things? So, uh, ast- I mean, much like for for me, they just have always existed. Because if I think back at, you know, 18-year-old Sarah, who was thinking she would go to art school and who was, you know, frankly, really, um, really remarkable in her very unassuming and unknowing way. She just had no idea. She was also extremely like, passionate and obsessed with the universe and people's horoscopes and their signs. So I've always, you know, that's still me. Um, But I think that astrology led me to reorient my life because when I was studying astrology um, and realized, for example, that my North Node is in Leo and I was like, but my life has nothing to do with this. Like I, I literally don't have kids. I don't, create like what is it is it should I be partying like is that how I you know (laughs) like what does this mean um and then there was there was this instance also where 
I had a, I did a deep meditation and I meditate quite a lot, but it's, it's very rare to have this kind of insight. It's, I know that mystics talk of like uh, time line jumping and, you know, paradigm shifting. I, I literally kind of like time jumped and I saw my future and I was in an art studio. I wasn't in an office. I was in a place near the water. I saw my children. I saw that my father wasn't there. I saw that my mother was near, that I was kind of like she was spending time with us. Um, I saw that I was working with textile, which I haven't, like I'm exploring now. So there was these things and I was, my life was just like in the city, urban lifestyle in the office. So it had nothing to do with this vision. And so astrology was the way that I moved kind of that needle towards that vision because I was like, okay, how do like, let's start by finding I mean, I started by making breakfast because my in this vision, I saw a very creative breakfast and I was the girl who skipped breakfast. So I was like, okay, I can do that. I can start with making smoothies and breakfast every morning and we'll, you know, we'll see what that does. And then I was like, okay, where, where was this place? Like where on the map of the world does this place exist? And so I used astrology to figure out what would be the places that would suit me. And I went to see an astrologer who would become my teacher, a very old scientist who's also an astrologer. And I, because studying astrology, you know, a lot of people think that they are astrologers these days, but it takes a lot of time and like, you know, all good things. And so uh, I, although I had studied like deeply and taken every course I could, I was like, some things are just not making sense. I need someone who's experienced to like look at it with me and kind of like show me. So I went to see her. She did my chart, and at the same time, uh, she kind of taught me. And we did astrogeography, so it's something I also love. And to see, like, where would be the places that would enable me to be creative and that had the physical appearance of this vision that I saw. Um, this was when I was doing the mentoring. I decided to actually create a letter where every month I explored, and it was called In Pursuit of Joy, and it was this like journey of trying to find um, this place that I didn't know where it was. So it was a very much, um, is it Bas Adler? You know, very much this kind of experiential art piece that I was making while being and doing mm -hmm. and using my own life as, as the material. Um, and so, yeah, at one point that, <laughs> that piece and that journey stopped because we decided that it would be Portugal. Or, or, or else, I mean, my son decided it would be Portugal. And so we, we stopped here. So yeah, they're very intimately, intimately linked. And so I think in a way to answer your question more precisely, I think astrology led me to the creativity, certainly to uh, affirm and nourish that part of myself. Mm. I think really what astrology is and does is to, or if I can speak in a very yeah. broad sense is to, and the reason we people are interested in it is, is that there is this element of self-exploration and self-awareness mm -hmm. that is what draws us in and helps us to, um, or the tool of astrology helps us to come to this place of just deeper and deeper and deeper peeling of the onion <laughs> of self-awareness and it sounds like you're using it in, in such a creative way in that regard too just to, to continuously use it and to continuously find more with it as a tool yeah I'm I'm you know for those who know a bit about Australia I'm a fur government so I need things to be like useful and practical so everything um you know for me astrology it's great when you sit there and kind of uh, in French, we say, look at your belly button, you know, like, <laughs> but it's also about like, and so what, like, what do I do with this? Like, you know, we only have one life. I mean, we have maybe multiple, but we have this one. So what do we, how do we actually serve the purpose of this life that we have? And I think astrology has keys to that. Um, and that's why I'm more and more interested in the timing because I think that there are, I mean, like there are places in the world, uh, like for example, Portugal has my sun line crossing it. So inevitably that meant that being seen would happen here and um, like just being 
more comfortable with being myself, my expressed, you know, self, the witchy self, the, all that. So the creative self. And so that wasn't possible for me in Belgium because I, I was in a different energy. I was in a different role. I'd always been a certain way. I couldn't shake, you know, that the labels that even myself had kind of constructed. Um, and I think, yeah, astrology gives us that or certainly gave me that. Mm -hmm. it's such a powerful tool isn't it <laughs> mm -hmm. to be able to harness that yeah so you mentioned a bit earlier how like in 2015 you kind of made changes in your life it's kind of like a would you I don't know, would you call it like a big life pivot so I was wondering like how did you come to make that decision and the confidence to follow through with mm -hmm. you know with making those changes in your life well for anyone who's ever you know become a mother and for anyone who's ever lost you know the person that they love the most those are two I think of and I think probably divorce is you know another I think those three things would probably be the most uh, transformative experiences in one's life and so I was experiencing two of those things simultaneously. And it just was like, I was so filled with life because when we experience loss, we actually notice life more. I mean, at least certainly my experience was that. And I was like, if I can be alive and I, if I, um, can have all this energy, you know, my father is love given to me. And now I'm creating this child. I literally can make anything mm -hmm. and I can just move out of my way to create something. Also, I think in my case, becoming a mother meant that I was very well aware that this child would be looking at me and learning from me. So what kind of person did I want him to look up to or look at, you know, I, what kind of, you know, it's, you have to kind of be what you want them to be, which is mm -hmm. brave, you know, um, self-loving. And so I was just like, okay, I have to, it's like now. Um, and again, it's about timing and respecting that I didn't have that. It was there, I was gestating, I was exploring things, the ideas were there, my notebooks, all that was there. But that was like the, and in fact, to go back to astrology, my, north node was being activated at the same time so there was like this confluence of things the astrological the personal emotional that was just coming together to be like the time is now yeah. and so um yeah but it was uh, it was a process because as i said also before 2015 these things experience i was very much like in love with being pregnant and being with my son when he was a newborn the the story you know the bedtime story i told them then mm -hmm. but i only started the uh, challenge in 2017 the sabbatical in 2000 end of 2017 2018 rather and so you know that's like three years uh of a process right that's uh and i think a lot of people are always in a hurry <laughs> so they like <laughs> you know, live in a world that just you know, even moon time and resting and napping, like, you know, now we hear this, like people say it's radical, but I really think that that is the power also of womanhood is that we innately and naturally have these, you know, uh, relationship to time that is not as the masculine time, which is daily, like the sun going up and down. We have lunar time, which is the feminine time. So it's a longer time and it comes back you know, it cycles. So, um, yeah, I digress, but I think, you know, mm, I yeah, think it's, uh, I think it took a long time. Yeah, and I think because, like, I think we met about two years ago now, wasn't it, Sarah? Like, that yeah. is the one of the biggest things you taught me is like, what's <laughs> the rush? <laughs> like, yeah. there's no rush. Like, um, and I think sometimes we don't even realize how much pressure or how much of in a rush we're in until someone tells us like, you know, you don't have to make this tomorrow. It can be next mm -hmm. year. That's fine. Um, 
giving yourself permission to even think that way sometimes can be well for me anyway it was okay yeah <laughs> I don't have to be productive like every day every week every month I can just you know do it when it suits me <laughs> when it, when the energy comes yeah mm -hmm. and there's something kind of fundamentally rebellious in that too isn't there because we're surrounded by cultures you know the the larger world of, of western culture or of you know the culture of the developed world is of go 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 rush 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 hurry 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 you know get it done productivity you know mm -hmm. hacks <laughs> for getting things done and you know to pull back from that and to relax into our own natural rhythm to me is um there's something really rebellious or um, transformative in it where we can just say no and mm -hmm. allow ourselves to be free of those restrictive, um, stressful, upsetting <laughs> ways of thinking and being. Yeah, it's not like a to-do. I mean, there are very famous artists, you know, I think Picasso was one who would wake up every day and create but he wasn't a mother, for example, right? Mm -hmm. So my reality is such that sometimes I look at, you know, the young uh, people and I often tell my friends like, wow, you know, when the kids will be older, how much will I be able to make, like produce? Because, you know, they have all this time to create all day and to post it on Instagram and make us all feel like, you know, we should be doing more. And I'm like, well, actually uh, my time is just, different so and it's not less valid um but yeah i'm not in i'm in a phase in my life and i think just also my process my creative process needs a lot of reflection and hibernation and gestation mm -hmm. whereas other people have to find their own rhythms you know they might have they might need like there's people who need the accountability buddy into every week say okay i'm going to make something um, like I love the, I think the hundred day challenge is a great place to start for anyone who wants to explore their creativity because it forces you to make something every day and then to also not judge what you produce because then you're content with actually, right? Like people who decide to go to the gym um, and it is a challenge. It's not a, you know, but I think that my process, my energy is not like that. Like it really is. Uh, more intimate, reflective, and I, 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 yeah, I don't want to produce. Like I hate that word too, but I don't want to produce art. I want to create, and so that's just a different energy and relationship to the to the work itself. It's not something that. Plus, I mean, I never create to sell. I mean, it's you know, we can talk about like the value and we're talking about almost these capitalist notions, right? Of productivity mm -hmm. and go, go, go. Yeah. But I'd never think of that. Like I, I, I don't. When I created What Remains, instantly the gallery was like, okay, but what are we gonna sell? And I was like, well, these pieces can't be sold because the way I see it and the way I've envisioned it, they will travel. Mm -hmm. And so, and they do, right? Now this is how they, they actually do that because they were created for that. Like that was the vision. But so then I created an art book, which I is one of the funnest, most challenging. I think it was the most challenging thing I've ever done in my life, even more challenging than giving birth to my <laughs> second child, which was like 24 hours. It was so tough. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And it was so much fun. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I created an art book and people were like, you're crazy because I was doing it like the best I wanted to do. We did Japanese uh, binding, book binding, which is like hand, you know, hand sewn. Mm -hmm. And I learned a ton of stuff about art book making and, um, and connected with artisans and, you know, like learned about paper and all sorts of things that really still serve me. And so that was the thing that we sold, but in itself, it wasn't, it's a book that's very difficult to sell because it doesn't follow any of the codes that when you go, when you're a photographer, or you do art photography, a lot of the art books, um, even if they say they look different are kind of in these codes, but because I'm not, again, not been to art school, don't consider myself a photographer. I consider this an art piece. 
I create it the same way. And so it just is something else. Um, and I'm still proud of it. It went to the, you know, the Milan Design Museum was selected many times, like three times, I think, to be shown there. And so it doesn't settle as much as I, I maybe would want it to, but it like it when it does, I'm always, you know, amazed. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, it has a, a different pace, a different energy to it. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if you bring some of that same kind of intuitive uh, way of following what feels right and what feels good to you to um, the times when you find yourself not creating the way you would like to or if you feel yourself blocked you, you feel like the urge to create and it's somehow just not happening How, what's your process for dealing with those times so I as I said I don't really beat myself up mm-hmm. much when it happens but when and usually when I'm stuck it's because I can't translate like I don't actually know how to technically create the thing that I want right mm-hmm. and I might have tried and it's just not coming out the way I want because I don't actually know what it is that I should be doing to create the thing that I want um, and so that's where I think community is really precious. Mm-hmm. I have some amazing um, peers, uh, in particular, the Artist Residency Motherhood alumni that I was part of, like that first group. I mean, these women are women that I admire that are established artists who, when they became mothers, didn't feel like they had room in the art world for them. And so, you know, these are people that I can talk to there's one um who always like i when i created my book i didn't know her and she like bought my book from around you know across the world and she was like posting on facebook and you know being just a cheerleader and i really want to call her out because i think it's important to name our our you know our cheerleaders so rachel moody in australia who also had um podcasts i think it's a little bit on pause, but it still exists on the creative block, like our inner critic. And Rachel is the kind of person, because she's a skilled um, artist and she's a teacher, she runs workshops, is the kind of person that I can voice note and be like, I'm struggling with this thing. This is the piece I have in mind. You know, what, what, like what material should I, would you recommend, you know, or, and she knows me by now. So she always has like technical ideas things I can do and like sends me links to YouTube to watch some videos and you know so that would be I think the way I process um, the creative blocks that are more technical and as for the others I kind of laugh at my inner critic I just you know I know that whenever she appears uh, there's often something else going on like Mm -hmm. maybe I've spent too much time online and I'm comparing myself or I'm stressed out because I'm tired because I'm a mother. Um, yeah, or I don't know, like there's usually something else happening. And so I just kind of acknowledge it and, you know, <laughs> say it's okay. It'll be fine. Like Take a deep breath, have a nap or, you know, go. Actually, something I love to do and it's really, really, it's just been like magic is I dance. I will sign up for a Gaga dance class and I instantly am reconnected to my fire. And this is not just a creative fire. This is like the sensual fire, the, you know, feminine, the divine feminine. It just, I, I'm literally back into my, like I bring back that energy into my body and it's like, I'm right back, you know, tuned in. So that is also something that I, that I do that I really need to be doing more because it really lights me up. But that would be also something that I occasionally have done when I'm feeling stuck. I love that. Dance is just so powerful and how it shakes free mm-hmm. so much of what's stuck or clogged. Stuck. In this, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just moves it all around. Shake it up. <laughs> yeah. And the Gaga dance classes are hard. So it's not like, I mean, I always dance and like, you know, I'm always singing and dancing, but they're hard. These are like for professional dancers and then you can sign up even if you're not a dancer. And so there's like this way of moving that makes you very aware of 
like literally like these muscles you didn't know that existed, like your <laughs> pinky or your mm-hmm. toe. And there's something about reconnecting with every single part of your body and moving in ways that are really awkward and not like nice, you know, not they don't look, this isn't like beautiful dance. This is like really just embodiment, um, which I think is just, yeah, really fascinating. And it's, it's literally like, um, I've had instances where I stop the class. I'm always sweating by the end of it, aching. I'm hoping that they'll stop the video because I'm like, I can't keep going for another <laughs> minute. And then I'll get like, you know, I'll get a message or I'll get a, you know, there'll be the email that I'm struggling on or something will be there, like waiting for me after the class. Like this has happened more than once. Mm. So yeah, that's my medicine. But with the Leo... With Leo energy, it's also about putting, you know, adding fire and movement, creative movement. So, you know, that is also a a very personal, I think, medicine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. So, so it's been wonderful talking to you today. I'm sure many people would love to see your work and find out more about you. So where can we find you online? Okay. So there's my website. So it's sarabasha.com. That's B-A-S-H-A.com and Sarah with an H. Uh, there's a couple tabs there with specific to the artwork. Um, there's also my uh, Instagram. And so that's my full name. So it's much longer and it's Sarah Basha E-Novosate, N-O-V-O-S-E-J-T. Um, it's a private account. I, I create really intimate spaces everywhere. And so it's, yeah, you'd have to ask a request to, to join. Then the What Remains Art Project has its own uh, Instagram page and it's What Remains at uh, what remains Art. And, uh, and then the podcast has the Woven, the podcast uh, Instagram as well. The other way which I really like the most to connect with people and it's a way for me to share not only like the astrology, but also what's up in the studio. What I'm working on is my monthly letters. And so that's a sign up on my, on my Instagram or on my website. And so people can receive, you know, what I'm working on. Lovely. It's been so interesting hearing about all the different projects and how you got to where you are today. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. so much for hanging out with us today subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and review so more people can enjoy these creative conversations and make sure to come back next time for more interviews with fascinating creatives from all over the world until then keep creating